You're listening to the Radical Disruption Podcast with Maya Nicole, nursing student turned multi-six-figure online entrepreneur. Here we talk all things real and raw when it comes to entrepreneurship and what it really takes to get to the next level. Leave the small biz talk at the door and buckle up for the tangible, tactical, and actionable steps that will help guide you in building a disruptive business. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back to another episode of Radical Disruption. In today's episode, I chat with Alexa all about mistakes to avoid while building a business and how to make money online. Alexa is an entrepreneur and coach helping businesses scale to six and seven figures. Let's dive into the episode. All right. I am so excited for this conversation today with Alexa. We are going to talk about creating million-dollar brands through content and data. That is her expertise. But before we dive into that conversation, Alexa, can you give us a background story as to who you are and how you've gotten to where you are today? Yeah. God, everybody always, when they ask me that, I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. Um, (laughs) I've been an entrepreneur since I remember, to be honest. My whole family's entrepreneurs, so I grew up with entrepreneurship. My uh, my family's from Cuba. So when they came here, they couldn't speak English. They couldn't work, really work for anyone else. So they all just became entrepreneurs. So, I mean, everybody from my grandpa, my parents, my sister, my aunt, like everybody literally is entrepreneurs. So I kind of got the bug really early. Um, that and I just loved making money. There was like satisfaction of like doing something for somebody else and getting money for it. So, yeah. so I always just loved entrepreneurship, had many businesses, even like starting at like age five. Um, but I started my first real business that actually, uh, had was incorporated and actually was a real business to the IRS when I was uh, 18. And so grew that business pretty quickly. Uh, scaled that to eight figures, uh, sold that in 2014. And I was uh, 24 years old. Um, And so at that point, that was my third, it was my first company exit, but it was my third actual exit that I had. And then I had a fourth and a fifth pretty quickly after that. So yeah, I just interrupt you really. What are those businesses? Like, I'm so curious, like, what did it what were you doing? Were you selling products, services? Like, what were those businesses? So it's it's actually funny because the businesses that I sold came about because of networking and taking on clients and then the clients like working with me from a marketing perspective. So the first company that I created was a marketing company. And I was it was like in that Facebook era where nobody really knew what it was and they didn't know what content was, personal brand like that nobody knew what they were doing to make money on social. Yeah. And you know, I was a young kid and I like kind of figured it out. I figured out what the problem was. And then I started networking, taking on clients, helping them build websites and social and what have you. And then people come to me and go, hey, I really like working with you. Do you want 50% of my company? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And so I kind of just rolled with it. And so three of them were apps. One was uh, EdTech app. Another was uh, actually a, a basketball logarithm tournament app. And then the third one was actually a gambling app. And the fourth, obviously, one that I sold was a uh, my marketing company. And then the fifth one was, it was a, another education company. So kind of a varied, different kind of experience. But yeah, it, yeah. It, I mean, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I love that so much. Sorry, I interrupted your story. No, no. Going. So after good, good the fifth and sixth. But it's actually funny because, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's amazing. You're so successful. Like at 24, basically you could retire and, and enjoy your life. And the reality is yes and no. So 
I look at it almost as a failure, actually, um, because now that company's worth like hundreds of millions of dollars that I sold. And actually, out of all of the companies I sold, three of them are now worth a lot more than what I sold it for. So yeah. you can argue, yeah, young age, like one of the apps that I sold, it's now in every single casino. It's it's evaluated at like a billion dollars. I didn't sell it for anywhere near there. So yeah. people are like, oh, you're so successful. And now I'm like, I'm even hungrier because I'm like, oh, I let... I. I let fear get in the way of me holding on to something because I was like, oh, this is a lot of money. And at the at the time it was, yeah. and I got rid of it too soon, right? So I think it depends how you look at it. And it's like a, a positive failure, I, I guess yeah. you can say, you know? Yeah, for sure. And then and what are you doing right now then? So I kind of took a hiatus for six years after I needed a break because agency life is really tough. And to be honest, like I was so young, I had 130 people working for me and the pressure was too much for a 23 year old at the time. And so I took a break. I went to get a PhD, started teaching, went to higher ed for a little bit. Um, and then I started to get the bug again because Clubhouse came out. And I started Ooh. to meet people when people like heard my background, they're like, wait, why aren't you like consulting anymore? And people are like, will you come consult and be my fractional CMO here? And the next thing I know, I have like seven clients. I'm like, oh, okay, let me call my old graphic designer back and see if he's interested. And the yeah. next thing I know, I have like a developer, a graphic designer, an SEO. And the next thing I know, I have 40 people working for me. Like, well, I guess I'm starting another agency. <laughs> so 2019, I started Think Fuel, which is my agency. And I started a coaching business as well. And so I'm coaching, helping people scale their businesses, um, mostly focusing on startups and people scaling to seven figures. So it's called Think Millions. That's the name of our program. Yeah. And then uh, my Done For You, which is agencies, mostly working with bigger brands, probably like I would say 5 million and up in gross revenues really where our focus is. That's way cool. And I feel like a big part of your story listening is networking and being able to have those connections with other people, what would you say is like, how do you even get started? Like for someone who's like, that's so cool. And like, I would love to meet more people. Like what has that journey look like for you? And I'm sure it's looked different at each stage of your journey too, because Clubhouse was like, that was a great way for like networking as well. But like, what does that look like? And what would you recommend for someone who's getting started with their business, who's looking to network for, you know, increased opportunities, but isn't really sure where to get started? That's such a loaded question because there's so many things you can do. <laughs> it's actually funny because like every time I go to like a networking or a, a business conference, even if I go to like a ClickFunnels conference, like I walk away with six to seven figures worth of business every time. And the best part is I'm so awkward. I'm like the worst networker in the world. But all I do is just talk to people and be me, share my story. And that's really it. Like I'm just myself. I don't put pressure on it. Like I don't go, okay, I got to walk away with seven figures worth of business. No. What I do is say, I've got to talk to at least 15 people and whatever happens. And so because I don't push things, I'm like, oh, we should meet. We should meet. I don't do that. And because I'm not so pushy and I just have genuine conversations it helps. So typically what I'll do when I go to networking, like I'll build relationships. I'll be like, Hey, you want to go to lunch? Like lunch is coming up in an hour and I'll just talk about life and kids. And, you know, yeah. of course we talk about business, but I actually get to know people and I always walk away with business by doing it that way. Speaking also helps. I mean, obviously speaking at conferences and uh, small events help. The other thing that's really helpful, even like on LinkedIn, like there's so many AI automated tools now. 
I just pack my calendar with meetings. Like I just say, Hey, let's jump on. Like, I don't know where this can go. I don't know what help you need, or maybe you can help me. I've met business partners this way. I've met people that have been able to connect me to people. And, you know, there's been people I've met that I can't help, but I've been able to connect them to somebody else. And so sometimes it's like, we put so much pressure on lead generation to be very specific to what we need in our business. But if we just broaden that and made it more about connections, business will come. I love that so much. It's very, uh, in my head, I'm like, it's kind of like a not salesy approach to networking because I think a lot of times people do go into networking with the intention of like, I do have to, you know, have 10 new appointments set from these people, you know, after I walk away from this event or after I walk away from doing this thing. And it's like, it's all about like needing something in return. But it's like, if you go into it with the intention of like, I'm just here to make a connection with someone, like even if I'm not the person for them, I'm going to be able to connect them with someone else. I just think that that's so powerful. And it makes me think of, I can't remember the title of the book. It's like The Giver or something like that. And it has a it has a red cover, but it talks about inside of that book, there's someone who's a connector. And this person uh, goes through the entire journey in this book and he's meeting all these different people and all these different people know this one connector. And it's just like this person who has networked with all these different people and connected these different people. And it's just like, that was basically the entire like motto of the book is just how powerful networking and collaboration is. So I love your approach and take on that. Something else that I was pulling from your story and something that you even mentioned as well is like, you know, a lot of people will will listen to you and listen to your story and they'll think, oh my gosh, that's mega successful. But like in your head, you were seeing that as what you considered a positive failure. And I love that approach to failure. And I just love your perspective in general, um, because I think so many entrepreneurs are afraid of failure. I basically want to ask you is like, what have you learned about failure on your journey? And why has it played a vital role in your success? Yeah, it's, it's actually what I spoke about in my TEDx, all about failure, because people hear the word failure, and they automatically think it's a negative thing. I look at it as such a positive thing. Because if you're failing, it means you're trying. And a lot of people don't fail because they don't actually try. And so for me, I look at it like, how can I build off my failures? I'm okay taking three steps back as long as I take 10 steps forward. And so I call it the power of modification. And it's my trademark philosophy that I have lived by my entire life. And it all came about because one day one of my students, she was like, Doc, why are you you so successful? And I kind of looked, I'm like, you know, I'm successful because, you know, I work hard. I surround myself with the right people. And my student goes, no, 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 I don't, I'm not talking about business. Like you're so successful in life. You have so many friends, your family, daughter's amazing. Yeah. And I kind of like took a step back and I'm like, why? And it's because I've always broken the rules. I've always gone against what society says to do. I've always gone against what everybody said. And that's why I'm a good marketer because, you know, all the trends are going this way and I'm going the other way, you know, and um, I'm trying to find the ways that no one is doing it. And to me, it's you can't do that unless you are making mistakes and going in sometimes the wrong direction. But sometimes you go down like this incredible path that then leads you to this amazing opportunity. And so that's how I look at it, that some of the biggest mistakes that I've made have actually led to amazing partnerships. You know, perfect example, you know, I I took on this project that ended up being a big bust and it was for celebrity. I'm not going to mention which one. But the celebrity was kind of a little bit of a pain. And the project just ended up busting because they had a very specific thing in their head that they wanted for this project. 
And through this project, even though the project bombed and it's a failure, really, um, and, and not, not so much to me or my team's fault, it's just, you know, whatever. Um, but one of the partners ends up, ended up loving working with me and then said, Hey, I have another project. Do you want to come work with me on it? And we just got a $30 million evaluation in six months off that project now that I'm partners in. Right. And so that failure now has turned into a great business opportunity that, you know, we just got into Costco, we just got into Target and it's something I'm really passionate about. It's plant-based. Remember like Lunchables back in the day? Yeah. Lunchables, Rice Krispie Treats. We basically took that and and made them much healthier and plant-based. And so it's a company called Mighty Yum. And uh, we built out the whole brand. And um, and now I'm part of this because of that failure, right? So it's all how you look at it. You're going to fail. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I love that so much. It's total perspective shift. It's almost like instead of seeing the failure as like a closed door, it's like actually that failure is an open door to a new opportunity and leading you to a new path. I love that so much. I feel like this ties into the conversation too around like where do you see a lot of business owners go wrong when it comes to making money? I think that part of that could be the fact that you know, a lot of business goes, business owners go wrong because they see failure as the closed door. So that could be part of that conversation too. But is there anything else that comes to mind around that question of where do you see a lot of business owners go wrong when it comes to not just making money, but like making a lot of money? Yeah. I mean, 98% of businesses fail within the first five years, 98%. It's a crazy statistic. Only 2% make it to seven figures on top of that. So of the 2%, 2% make it seven figures, right? Yeah. So the statistics are very small. And from, I mean, at this point, I've coached hundreds of people. And, you know, at different levels, I see different things. Getting off the ground, I see a majority of people don't have the right skill sets. They don't want to learn the right skill sets or take the time to learn the right skill sets, or they underestimate how difficult it is and how much effort you have to put in or confidence. I would say those are like the main things from like the ground level that I see. And part of the confidence is that they, it's new, but instead of looking at it, like I'm not good enough, or I don't have the right skill sets, how about take it in chunks? And especially if you're brand new and this is your first business going from like a nine to five, where you have a skill set to running a business is very different. You're the accountant, you're the lawyer, like you have to learn how to do everything. And when you're in a nine to five or you are in a specific job, typically you only have to do that one job. Now you have to do that job and then run a business on top of it. So I would say, give yourself a little grace. It's, it's not easy. It's hard. Otherwise more people would be more successful. And as people start to build, I think the next mistakes that they make, it's, you know, you have to be really good at sales. A lot of business owners don't give sales enough credit in their business. And what happens is you can only grow so far if you're not good at sales. So my best advice to anyone, like, and it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or not, everybody should be good at sales because everything in life is sales. If you're trying to convince your partner to go out to eat, that's sales. (laughs) Like, you know, everything in life, including selling yourself is all about sales. So I would say that's probably the biggest weakness that I see people have is sales. And then the next thing is cash management. Um, A lot of people are not good at managing their cash flow. Um, And we've seen businesses fail because they don't know how to manage their cash. And then they don't invest money in the proper channels like marketing to actually grow their company. and, And then they fail. 
Yeah, I could not agree more to all of those different things. And it even makes me think of the conversation too around, you know, when it comes to business, a lot of business owners think that they're going to be very successful at the very start, which is not the case, obviously, for most people. Um, And so something that you talk a lot about as well is playing the long game and how success does take time. And this is a term, I think, like playing the long game is a term that a lot of people have heard as business owners. It's not something that's new, but I also don't think that we actually have the conversation a lot around what actually does that mean? Like, what does it actually mean to play the long game? What does that actually look like? And do you believe that the people who do play the long game are the, you know, 2% of business owners who stay in business past, you know, the statistic that you just previously shared? Yeah. I mean, it's all about persistence. You know, most people don't make it to that five-year mark because they can't persist because it's hard. And when they have roadblocks, it's very difficult for them to get around it or through it. And so I look at it like you have a destination you want to get to. You're sitting in a car with no GPS. You have no idea how to get to this destination at all. And like, sometimes you, you don't even know if you have enough gas and you don't even have money to put gas in the car. Right. So And then you eventually, because you don't have a GPS, you don't know how to get there. Most of the time people run out of gas and just give up, right? And so how I look at it is at the end of the day, a lot of the times people just can't persist because of confidence, because of money, uh, because of fear. A lot of times it's also people in their life, right? A lot of entrepreneurs that I know have given up because they've gotten pressure from their spouse or from family members. Go to your nine to five, go to your nine to five. And it is a long, people expect in three to six months that they're going to have a million dollar business um, and even a six figure business. And the reality is that if this is your first business, there's so many skill sets that you have to have. And a lot of times people try to rush success and rather than trying to build a brand, build your name and also get happy customers. Stop focusing on making a million dollars, make six figures to begin, make five figures to begin, get really good at something. Yeah. Once you're really, really good at that one thing, then you can add additional things. Like I see people sometimes when I coach, they're like, oh, I'm adding this service and this offer and this offer. I'm like, why don't make six figures in this one offer first, get really good at that, then expand. Because then it's too many things that they're offering and and then they flop. It's important. The long game is important. You got to see the bigger picture. And people want, you know, the Lambos and the big cars. And I mean, you see my Instagram. I'm not driving around Lambos. I like I live in a $2 million house that we bought in cash. Like I could live in a $10 million house if I want to. I choose not to. I choose not to drive a Lambo. I choose not to do those things because then it adds pressure to you to be successful and to keep being successful and you're going to burn out. Yeah, for sure. I was at a Kajabi conference just a few months ago and Graham Cochran was one of the speakers and he was talking about, he said something along the lines of, you know, I'm not the best in my industry. I'm nowhere near the best, but I've been able to, you know, get to this, like what would be considered, you know, a top spot in terms of the industry simply because I've outlasted all of my competitors. And he said, you know, all of my friends who started their businesses at the same time as me, who were doing similar things as me, and we'd collaborate and do all these things together, they've all dropped off. They're they're no longer in business anymore. And the reason why I'm still here is because I've been playing the long game. And he's like, again, it's not because I'm the best at what I do. It's because I'm 
I'm persistent. And so I love that. And something else that came to my mind as you were talking about, you know, how people think a lot of times that they need to add on all these different things to be successful, where whereas they should really just focus in on one thing. There's a quote that you've said, and it says, um, you can never help everyone, but you can always help someone. Can you expand on what you mean by that and how how that applies to making money? Yeah. So the reason why I said that was because a lot of times I have young entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs that lose their confidence. And they say, well, I don't know how I could be an entrepreneur. I don't know how I can help anybody. I don't, I'm not skilled, right? And this, it actually stemmed from, I had a 17-year-old that I was coaching and he was like, how can I help someone? I said, well, I was 17 and I started a business and helped someone. You got to get really good at skill. I said to him, I'm like, first start by offering free services, get an internship, get some clients that you're just going to help for free for a couple months, right? Do DoorDash for all I care or Uber Eats to make some money to live, but build your skill set in one thing. Maybe it's lead generation, maybe it's content creation, social media, whatever it is, get really good at one thing, build that up. And then you start charging as you get proof of concept. And so I said that because A lot of times I run into entrepreneurs that are like, nine to five is not for me. My old boss sucked. And now I'm trying to find my way as an entrepreneur, but I don't know what to offer. And I'm not good at anything. You're always good at something. You could always help someone. Um, And a lot of times we try to compare ourselves to other people and you just can't do that. Everybody can help somebody out there. I love that so much. And something else that it makes me think of is, you know, there's so many people who are like, I just want to do, 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 do all of the things. And something else that you talk a lot about as well is like the data aspect of things of like when you go and do something, how important it is to then like not necessarily take a step back, but like take a pause on things, like look at the data and make sure that like what it is that you're doing is actually moving you to where you want to go. Can you talk a little bit more about that as well, especially for people who are at the start of their businesses? What does that actually look like? How often do you recommend doing that where you're like taking a step back, you're actually looking at the data and using that information to really drive you towards your goals? Yeah. I mean, so many people don't do this and they don't look at the basics. Like I had a a client that recently I went through their QuickBooks and I was like, what is this? What is this? What is this? And it's like, oh, well, it's this software, that software. I'm like, well, what is it doing for you in your business? I don't know. You know, and by the time we were done, it was like a thousand dollars a month of just wasted money. And so, I mean, there's looking at it from a fiscal perspective, and then there's looking at it from like a lead gen marketing perspective and looking at that kind of data. Um, and it's also looking at your client success too. Like how often is everybody that has client work actually looking at data to see, hey, am I actually helping my client? If not, then maybe I have to change and revert. And so these are all things like surveys and things you can do because at the end of the day, it costs more to get a new client than to keep a client. And so it's important to not just understand from a marketing from the top of your funnel, but also in your funnel, what's working, which means you have to go collect data, aka go ask your clients if they're happy. So there's so many different things in your business that you have to look at from a data perspective. And sometimes business owners are so, especially in the beginning, because you're everything. You're the lead gen person, you're a salesperson, you're the social media person, you're this person, (laughs) you're that person, you're doing everything. You don't have time to take a step back to look at it, but you got to make time. You've got to put it on your calendar. You've got to make time to look at these things because it's so important for the success and for the longevity and the persistence to stay ahead of everyone else while everyone else isn't, right? Yeah, for sure. I don't know if there's necessarily an answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Is there like, (laughs) is there like, 
you know, questions where you're like, you should be asking these questions like, you know, monthly or quarterly, whatever that is. Like, what are some main questions that people should be asking as entrepreneurs, like pretty consistently to make sure that they are on track and that they are looking at the data? Uh, Yeah. And I actually think it's to yourself. I actually think, and I don't do it daily. I need to do it more often, but I I do at least weekly. My business partner does it daily. Um, I think that's a little much, but, but I do think that you need to look yourself in the mirror and you need to one first pat yourself on the back, but then you got to ask yourself, all right, how can I be better? What changes do I need to do? And sometimes like as a business owner, when you're in a thick, especially as a leader, as you build teams, like sometimes I have to take a step back and go, Hmm, this week I realize I'm maybe a little on edge because my daughter's sick and I haven't slept. And now that I'm reflecting, because I've stopped to take the time to reflect, yeah, here's what I need to change. And most entrepreneurs don't make the time to do self-evaluation. I know that's not the answer you're probably expecting, but like, yes, I think you every, at least every other day, maybe a couple times a week, you need to literally figuratively and actually look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, how can I be a better person, a better human, a better boss, a better, you know, for my clients, a better, you know, mom. Like you got to be self-aware. No, I love that so much. And that totally answers my question. And and I love what you said. You know, most entrepreneurs don't take the time to actually like pause and think about things. And it's so true. It's like, we're, we're, again, it's just kind of going back to what we're talking about, like the go, 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 where, you know, that's what we think that we have to do in order to be successful. But it's actually like, if you're doing the go, 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 but you're never stopping to ask yourself, like, how can I improve? Or is what I'm doing actually moving me towards my goals? Then you're not going to, you're going to burn out. Um, You're not playing the long game and that's not leading to success. But like in our heads though, like as entrepreneurs, we're like, that is, that is the way to success is just go, 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 go. But it's totally like actually the opposite of that, where it's like, go take a pause, ask yourself questions is this getting me to where I want to go? Yes or no. Okay. Do I need to take a few steps back or yes? Okay. Let's let's keep moving forward. Go again, you know, take a pause. And I just think that that's so important to, I don't know, for me, I wish I had heard that piece of advice at the very beginning of my entrepreneurship journey, because I was so in the mindset of like, I have to go, 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 go and do all of the things and do as many of the things as possible in the shortest amount of time possible in order to be successful, which actually brings me to my very last question for you, which is, For someone who is looking to hit their first six figures in business, what are your top three best tips to get there? Yeah. So one is refinement. Continue to refine your offer until it hits. A lot of times, again, people get discouraged when an offer is not selling, but you have to get on sales calls in order to know. So keep getting on sales calls. Don't get discouraged. If you get 10 no's, keep refining until you get 10 yeses. And also remember too, like I always say, you never want 10 out of 10 to say yes, because that means you're, it's too cheap what you're offering, right? Really, I look for like 50 to 60% yes. And then I you know you're in a sweet spot. If you're at like 20 to 30% no, that means it's either too expensive or the offer sucks. But if you hit 50, 60%, you know you're hitting the sweet spot because you know that you're good at sales and, and the price is perfect. So don't look for 100%. Be okay with... 40 to 60%, but you don't want to be below 40. But in order to know, you can't be scared to just jump on sales calls. The more sales calls you do, the more you keep refining your offer, the better it's going to get. And it's an evolution. And once you find that 
sales offer that is selling at that 50, 60%, then go all out. Go make sure that you're spending the time to build up your calendar and have more and more sales calls. You're going to just keep getting better and better. I mean, that's, that's my first tip. My second tip is don't do it all yourself. When, once you start making money, you can hire a VA for $500 a month to help take some stuff off you. And I always say, you know, you always want to, we have something called the boss audit and I make my students do it every month. And basically it takes a week of all their tasks of what they're doing and it aligns. Is it revenue generating? And if it's not revenue generating, we're hiring somebody to take that off your list. Because as a CEO, your number one job is to make money. And if you're not doing that, you're not making money. And, um, and so don't be afraid to hire and to spend money. You have to spend money to make money. And then I would say the third is get help. Um, we were just talking about asking questions. I've had students where I've actually told them I don't want to coach them anymore because they'll jump on a, a call with me and they'll either say, I don't have questions. How do you not have questions? And then the second thing is they say, oh, I don't have business problems right now. I literally just had this happen. What my student literally said to me, I have no problems in my business right now. I said, well, then you're not looking hard enough. There's always problems in your business, no matter who you are, how good you are. I have problems in my business. And if I ever jumped on the phone with my coach and said, I don't have questions today, then that just means I'm not looking for the questions. So always have somebody to help you that's been there. Why are you sitting in the car with no GPS? Go get a GPS. It'll help you get there faster. Wow. That was like mic drop, perfect ending to this episode. That was so, so, so good. I just took so many nuggets from that. I'm like, I need to listen back on that like three or four times. I love that so much. Okay. For anyone who's wanting to connect with you on a, I don't know why I keep saying this at the end of my episodes, on a deeper level, as if like this wasn't a deep level. But (laughs) what I mean is if anyone's wanting to connect with you off of the podcast, um, where can they connect with you? Where can they find you? And what offerings do you have as well? Yeah. Yeah. So you can go to thinkmillions.com. Um, and that's our, our coaching program that we have. Um, and, uh, alexadagostino.com if you want to learn more about me. And yeah, I mean, we offer done for you and done with you services. So we're, I mean, we're experts in marketing, lead generation, advertising, website development, branding, all of the good stuff. So we're helping on both, you know, the startup side and, and the more sophisticated uh, businesses that are out there already creating revenue. We're experts in scaling. That's, that's what we love to do every day. So happy to help anybody. I love that so much. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge with us. Thank you. If this episode has served you in any way, I'd love it if you shared what you've learned, any aha moments that you may have had, or something that you loved, and tag me on Instagram at Maya Nicole. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review so that we can continue to learn and grow together. Thank you so much for your support. I love you, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.